debts. Um, and then we will wrap this up. Uh, Ray is going to go in a different direction. I'm not sure exactly uh, what passage he's preaching on, but, but he, he ha- he's not going to be you know, continuing where we leave off next week. But, um, you know, again, just briefly as a reminder, prayer is children coming before their heavenly father, offering him praise and adoration for who he is, and expressing our desires to see his kingdom established and purified, and requesting for his will to be done in and through us. That's Pretty much, that's a brief summary of what we've covered so far. Last week, we looked at the fourth petition, which teaches us to pray for our daily bread. Um, so we begin by acknowledging that, that we do not deserve outward blessings. We consider that bread is a metaphor for all kind of outward blessings from God. Um, so we, we begin by acknowledging that we don't deserve outward blessings, but rather to have the fruit of our work to be cursed to us, because of sin, right? Then we can seek God's blessings and, contain, uh, and, and contentment with our possessions. Right? We can still ask for those outward blessings, but we don't come with this presumption that we deserve them, that we're in a place of, of earning them. So the way that God forgives us here is instructive for how we are to forgive others. That's pretty, pretty clear from uh, the Lord's prayer itself. Um, unfortunately, there's a, a common misunderstanding among Christians about forgiveness of others. Uh, many often assume that, that we are required to automatically forgive others. But automatic forgiveness is a, a far cry from biblical forgiveness because the result can never be true reconciliation. Right? If only one party is involved in forgiving. If, if, if the other party does not come in, in repentance, then how can true reconciliation happen? And so we might say that we forgive them, but really what we mean by that is we're in a posture that's ready to forgive, to truly forgive. That is what every Christian should be. They should be in a posture of forgiveness, but unless we cheapen what forgiveness actually results in, we cannot call it forgiveness just to be in a posture of forgiveness. Does that make sense? We can't say, I forgive that person who's never once acknowledged their, their sin or desires my forgiveness. Um, if That's not how God forgives us. You know, we come to him acknowledging our sin. We come to him in repentance, and then he forgives us. So it's not an automatic forgiveness, and we'll see that from this text as well. But as... Uh, I think if we could kind of summarize this, I would say when we know that we have been forgiven much, we will have no problem forgiving others. When we recognize how much we've offended God and how much we continue to offend God, we will see uh, our own willingness to forgive others increase. But we shouldn't cheapen that forgiveness by suggesting that it only needs one party to accomplish it. So let me uh, pray and ask the Lord for his help, and then we'll read this section together. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth from this passage, that we would apply this text to our lives, and that we would be drawn closer to you as a result, Lord, that we would understand something more about how we can come to you in prayer uh, with repentant, uh, asking for the gift of repentance, uh, confessing our sin freely, and recognizing that that the promises of, of Christ are that we will hear his assurance of pardon, that we will be forgiven. 
that our sins will be removed and cast away as far as the east is from the west. Lord, what a blessing that is to hear. And we want to rest in that this afternoon and, and appreciate that. So Lord, give us insight as we meditate and study this text together. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. So read with me, Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our, our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Amen. This is God's holy word. Well, our uh, question, the larger catechism question 194 says, what do we pray for in the fifth petition? And instead of, it's a lengthy answer, so instead of reading the whole thing at once, I am going to just break it down into each section. In this first section, as we've seen multiple times, it starts with our debt, sort of recognizing that we don't deserve it. Um, It starts with an acknowledgement of our own sin, our debt. So in the fifth petition, Here's the answer, which is forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, acknowledging that we and all others are guilty both of original and actual sin and thereby become debtors to the justice of God and that neither we nor any other creature can make the least satisfaction for that debt. So we acknowledge that our own sin continues to compound upon original sin. You have original sin inherited from our first parents, compounded with our own actual transgressions, and then that continues to happen, right? We continue to compound our sin and become debtors of the justice or to the justice of God, and nothing we can do can ever satisfy the debt that has mounted. Okay, as always, we begin with our need. We will not come to God in prayer asking for his forgiveness if we do not first recognize that we have indeed sinned. Why do you go to someone and say, forgive me, unless you first of all are acknowledging that you, you sinned against them, that you've done something to offend them. And so we acknowledge that we've sinned against God, that we have offended our creator. So this is where repentance is required, right? It, it, we we gotta, we got to recognize that it's part of the, the definition of forgiveness. Um, God does not automatically forgive any and all sin. If we are to forgive the way God has forgiven us, then we should admit that forgiveness cannot take place apart from repentance. Uh, there must be an acknowledgement of guilt before a judgment can even be determined. Repentance coupled with faith in Christ alone, as we'll see in a moment, is what brings about forgiveness of our debt. So the biblical Christian will acknowledge both the original sin they've inherited uh, from their first parents, as well as the actual sins they've committed and the sins they continue to commit daily. Because we worship a just God, we know that our sin has added up to this giant debt that none of us could ever come close to paying off. 
And I, I like the analogy that Ray Comfort uses in his evangelism. He says after interacting, or he, he does this all the time in his videos on YouTube, but um, after interacting with someone, showing them how they've broken many of the Ten Commandments already, uh, he'll tell them that their offense demands severe punishment. Right? Um, if they were to punch him, they would be guilty of a crime. Right? He, could, he could call the police and, and, and press charges against them, but the fine would probably not be that great. Um, if they punched a police officer, well, now the penalty jumps up a little bit higher. And then imagine if they punched the President of the United States. Again, consequences are even more severe. Well, our sin is like punching the holy God in the face, right? The, the eternally perfect God. And so when we offend him, the penalty is severe. It's as severe as it can be. It deserves eternal punishment. So apart from Christ, we are no better off than anyone else. Romans 3 uh, verses 9 through 22 teaches that everyone is born under sin. No one is righteous. No one understands or seeks after God or does any good. The law proves our guilt before God. Um, in the parable of the unforgiving servant, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 25, Jesus portrays a servant who has been forgiven of this exorbitant amount of money, the sum of money of 10,000 talents. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot to us because we don't know what a talent is. But, ten, but a talent, one talent, is 20 years' salary at that time. 20 years' salary. So take your average salary, multiply it by your average annual wage, multiply that by 20, and that's one talent. This man owed his master 10,000 talents. So taking just an average income in this area, that would be like owing someone more than $10 billion in debt. Okay, so that is, that is the illustration of, of where we are. Right? We're, we're supposed to recognize that that is the debt that we owe, this insurmountable debt. We are like the unforgiving servant uh, in that we have accumulated a debt that we cannot possibly ever repay. Right? And we'll come back to that parable when we come back around to it later, but, but we'll put a pin in it for now. Psalm 130, verses 3 through 4 says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. And so after acknowledging our debt, we should pray and ask for God's acceptance, right? his pardon and forgiveness. And the answer in the larger catechism says this, We pray for ourselves and others that God of his free grace would, through the obedience and satisfaction of Christ, apprehended and applied by faith, acquit us both from the guilt and punishment of sin, accept us in his beloved, continue his favor and grace to us, pardon our daily failings, and fill us with peace and joy in giving us daily more and more assurance of forgiveness." So once again, even with this petition, we shouldn't only pray selfishly about our own debt, about our own sin. We should acknowledge the fact that others, that we want to see God forgive others. We want to have other people in mind who need to be forgiven. And we know that a, a person will only find God, God's acceptance if they turn to Christ in faith. That's what this answer, this portion of the answer begins to articulate. When a person understands the insurmountable mountain of debt that they owe to God, it should come as a great relief to know that they can be justified, 
freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 3, 24 through 26. So this is only possible because Jesus was willing to shed his own blood upon the cross so that we might be purified and forgiven. We should regularly give praise to God for his glorious grace in providing redemption through the blood of Jesus. And this prayer for acceptance and forgiveness ought to be a daily activity because we are taking our daily failings, as the answer says, to him for pardon. And so if we have daily failings, then we bring them daily to him for that assurance of pardon. Peter blesses his readers with this idea, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. May it continue to multiply, right, day after day, that you would understand his grace and peace more and more. So when God spoke to Israel through the prophet Hosea, he declared their need to speak words to the Lord as they returned to him. It wasn't that you should just return to the Lord in your actions, but you should actually acknowledge things to him in words. You should speak to him in prayer. And so they were to say this, take away all iniquity, accept what is good, and we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Hosea 14.2. So even during the sacrificial system where they had to offer uh, sin offerings, uh, Israel had to personally confess their sin. They didn't just bring their animal and say, okay, I'm done with that one. No, they had to come and acknowledge their sin, what the sin was that's, that's being, um, you know, why this animal is being sacrificed. What, they had to acknowledge their sin before the priest and the Lord. And so the offering was required for the shedding of blood. Now we come to God through Christ, through, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But we still confess with our mouths. We still confess our sin um, as imperfectly as we know it will be. And through Jeremiah, the Lord modeled how they might come before him in repentance, saying, Though our iniquities testify against us, act, O Lord, for your name's sake, for our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. We get another example in Daniel. He offers a similar prayer for forgiveness on behalf of God's people. So again, these are examples of of prayers that are being offered not just personally for, a per, you know, for an individual, but for a corporation, a, a, a group of people, a community. We should have that in mind. As John teaches, we can expect to be forgiven because God is faithful and just, but he also implies that we confess our sins, right? We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us, First um, John 1, 9. So we can expect to be filled with hope, filled with joy and peace because we have been filled by the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, 13. And then one of the lengthiest examples of a prayer for repentance is found in Psalm 51. So if you're ever unsure how to pray, how should I confess my sin to the Lord? How can I do this in a, in a way that honors him? Use the model that David gives us in Psalm 51. Think about how he you know, he, he listened to Nathan's rebuke of him as he sinned with Bathsheba, and then he is, he is broken. He's heartbroken, and he brings that before the Lord in, in Psalm 51. So we're not going to read the, uh, that psalm, but I encourage you to, to use that in your application of this, of this sermon. He freely confesses his sin, um, and he knows with, with strong certainty. Throughout that chapter, he knows that God will cleanse him 
and wash him whiter than snow, even as I, I prayed earlier and referenced Psalm 51. So he knows that he will return to joy and gladness. He asks for a clean heart, a renewed spirit, a restored joy in the salvation of God. So yes, there were significant consequences for David's sin. Um, you know, his son died shortly after birth as a result. Uh, but David's response showed true repentance and God was faithful to forgive him. And if he forgave David, if he could forgive David of his sins, he can do the same for us. Uh, this answer also closes with an encouragement to be confident because of the fruit of forgiveness that's testified by our own response, right? which we are the rather emboldened to ask. We're, we're emboldened to ask for him to forgive us our debts um, because of our own response to, the, to our debtors. Right? He says, which, in which we are rather emboldened to ask and encourage to expect that we have this testimony in ourselves, that we, from the heart, forgive their offenses. So both Matthew and Luke, they connect God's forgiveness to our own forgiveness of others in the Lord's Prayer. And this is, they're directly related. So Luke emphasizes the importance of having this attitude of forgiveness. And we're to forgive others as Christ has forgiven us. You can look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 and Colossians 3, 13. Both of them say that is how we are to forgive others. Forgive as we have been forgiven. So Jesus doesn't demand any more than an honest confession. He doesn't continue in a state of bitterness, holding, a, holding our sin against us after telling us that we've been forgiven. Uh, there may still be consequences for our sin uh, that, that may be carried out in, in this life. It might result in imprisonment, depending on, on what it is. But once forgiven, we have full and complete restoration with God. And so our forgiveness of others should look the same. Right? If we have forgiven someone, it's not that um, I forgive them, but I don't want nothing to do with them ever again. I know forgiveness should look like reconciliation. So back to the parable of the unforgiving servant. Remember, his master had just forgiven him a debt of 10,000 talents, roughly $10 billion in today's economy. Yet when he finds another servant, this same person who'd just been forgiven that debt, finds another servant who owed him 100 denarii. He chokes him out and demands payment. Now again, you're thinking, what is 100 denarii? Well, that's um, one denarii is one day's wage. So it's 100 days wages, about a little over three months pay. Okay, so that would be maybe the equivalent to something like $8,000. That's not a small amount of money, but it's a far cry from the $10 billion that he owed his master. And his response to the master's grace was to choke out this other servant and to demand he pay $8,000 to him. So then he throws him in prison until he could pay his payment. Well, the master finds out about this and then throws the wicked servant into prison as well. So Jesus says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. An unwillingness to forgive those who sin against us reveals a heart that has not been transformed by the grace of God. Right? If we have been transformed, then we will be willing to forgive others. So let us pray and, and use this as instruction for us in our closing prayer. 
Heavenly Father, once again, we are grateful for your word and its teaching um, as in instructing us in, in how to come to you in prayer. And we all acknowledge, Lord, if, if we have a, a right understanding about our own hearts and our own fallen depravity, we, we come to you recognizing our debt, recognizing that it is insurmountable. And maybe even the, the amount of $10 billion doesn't, doesn't come close to what kind of debt we owe for our own sin against you. But Lord, we do acknowledge that it is something that we could never repay. We know that our, our sin is, is something that continues to compound even, that daily we fail. And daily we must once again come before your throne of grace and acknowledge our sin. Lord, we, we recognize that apart from Christ, um, that, that we are without hope in this life that we deserve um, to be the recipients of eternal punishment. Lord, that if you should mark iniquities, no one could stand. But we also know that with you there is forgiveness. And so we come to you asking for that pardon, asking to understand and and recognize and rest in the acceptance that we have with you, not through ourselves, not through even the, the perfection of our repentance, because that's not even true. Lord, even our repentance is, is faulty and, and mixed with impure motives, Lord, so we come to you only in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We come to you recognizing that it is only through him that we can have that assurance of pardon. And so we want to come daily. We want to acknowledge humbly how much we need that blood to cover our sin, to cover our iniquities. Or to, we want to pray for that acceptance and forgiveness on a daily basis and to be reminded of the assurances that we have give, been given in your word, the promises that we have that when we confess our sins to you, you will forgive Lord, we, we, we do not want to respond to that forgiveness with presumption. We don't want to think that because we can confess our sin freely to you and know that you will forgive us, that now we can go out and live how we want, that we can do as we please and, and simply ask and you'll forgive. Lord, help us to not become like that and also help us not to become, um, or, or to, to become softened by that forgiveness so that we might forgive others. Lord, help us to not grow in bitterness towards those who sinned against us, but to be free, uh, freely willing and, and in a posture, in a state that's ready to forgive. And Lord, help us not to cheapen what forgiveness does, that, that forgiveness actually brings reconciliation. Lord, that is our ultimate longing. We know that that will only happen perfectly in heaven. We know that that the restoration and, and the glorious picture um, of saints surrounding your throne in heaven in perfect unity, that, that that will never be the case in this present age because of sin. But may that be our longing, and may we taste that here as you are doing a work in our hearts because we know that, that you are actively transforming us from one degree of glory to the next. 
into the image of your son. And Lord, we know that your son was forgiving even as he hung on the cross and cried out to forgive those who, who mocked him, who spit upon him, who persecuted him, and who, who crucified him. Lord, he, he acknowledged uh, a, a readiness to forgive them. Lord, may we have that same posture to others. For your glory we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.